Hey everyone, thank you all for hitting that download button and joining us this week for another episode of Kicking Out of Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and we are in a War Games state of mind this week, as you can tell by hitting that download button. And the title of this show is a War Games watch party from Fall Brawl 1996, as it was the NWO taking on WCW in a highly anticipated War Games match. And with the upcoming War Games match taking place at the end of this month on the NXT TakeOver event, the night before Survivor Series, I thought we'd go back a little bit and watch one of the uh, the the more uh, popular War Games matches that was all voted by you guys in the polls just a few months back. I polled you guys all, and uh, this ep- this War Games match in particular eked out the the '95 War Games match, which was the Hulkamaniacs versus the Dungeon of Doom. I didn't even think that was going to be in one of the top. Uh, you know, runnings, but uh, it was. So, uh, yeah, we're going to watch this match back on WWE Network. I'll give you guys all the instructions and, um, you know, it, and, and where to go and how to get there in just a little bit. But before we do that, returning, making his long-awaited return to kicking out of two. It's been a while. My brother Justin, what's up, man? Welcome, welcome, welcome all. I'm glad to be back. That's very cool. Very cool to have you. Thank you for uh, for. For, for joining me. I know WCW is not so much in your wheelhouse per se. Uh, you know, you, you grew up a big WWF guy. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to kind of get your take on this War Games match in particular and the events surrounding this. Um, but before we do all that, guys, hit us up on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. And our Twitter handles at kicking out two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Links to archive shows, videos, debates, discussions, GIFs, memes, all that great stuff. A very fun pro wrestling, retro pro wrestling environment we like to create on both of our social medias. Uh, so head on over there to both Facebook and Twitter. Give us a like and a follow and be a part of all the fun we got going on over there as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find all of Kicking Out of Two shows over there on Podbean by searching Retromania with a W. You can find uh, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, and The Origins of Attitude, along with Kicking Out of Two. Um, if Podbean ain't your thing, if you like Google Play, if you like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, search Retromania with a W, and every single show from that entire network, including the the, the, the archives of Kicking Out of Two, all over there. So uh, go check it out. All right. Cheap plugs are out of the way. Let's get into it. Um, go to WWE Network right now and search Fall Brawl 1996. You're going to go to the in-ring section. And then from the in-ring section, you're going to go to the WCW section. I know this might take a little bit. And then you're going to go to the WCW pay-per-view section. And you're going to search for the 1996 pay-per-view uh, section. And you're going to find Fall Brawl 96. You're going to see a picture of Hogan and Flair. And with this newly constructed WWE network, um, you're going to uh, fast forward to, you can actually just jump right to the War Games match itself. It's two hours, two minutes, 56 seconds. And when I tell you to hit play, you're going to hit play and you're going to watch along with us. Make sure your TV's on mute because you're going to want to hear our voices and not Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and the American Dream Death They Rule with the Baby. But before, while you guys are doing all that, like I said, Justin, you were a big WWF guy on the other side of the fence. Um, when this is the early infancy of the NWO, this is when like Nitro was really becoming must see TV every single week. Um, 
going into this War Games, and we'll discuss it a little bit more at length. Uh, the big mystery was Sting's involvement in the War Games and turning and joining the NWO. Now, on the other side of the fence, the WWF had Shawn Michaels and his run as the WWF champion. He was actually set to face Mankind for the title at the, uh, the Mind Games pay-per-view. Um, talk to me a little bit about what, what it was like to be a fan during this time period, especially in September of '96. Um, I would say that uh, for the WWF, there it was um, definitely like a rebuilding period. Um, you know, sh- you know, Diesel and Razor had left; they were now in WCW. Um, Bret Hart was gone, um, and at this point, you weren't really sure when he, when or if at all he was coming back. Uh, this was, you know, Shawn Michaels had the whole world in his hands. You know, just to, no pun intended there, but he he was he was the main guy, and they were doing everything and anything they could, you know, to to get him. To be, uh, you know, as big as any star they've ever had, and you know, people are gonna kind of argue the success of it either way. But um, again, it was I think for a fan like myself, it was a very uh, opportunistic time to kind of look the other way and, and check out the product. And uh, and I and you know, the summer of 1996, heading into the fall, the Hogan turn, you know, the the takeoff of the NWO, and you know, every week they were they were breaking rules left and right in terms of what a conventional wrestling fan was used to watching so yeah it definitely caught my attention um and you know but this was probably the time of wcw that i honestly watched the most because a couple months later bret hart came back and we all know about my my affinity for bret so this was the time for me to kind of check out what else was out there if you will to 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 test the market sort of so um this yeah no this, this a lot of this i do have recollections of that we'll obviously get into um definitely a good time to be a fan for sure and it only got better yeah, yeah, it certainly did. Um, all right, so now that we've, uh, you know, hopefully you guys have all caught up and you are ready to rock and roll and uh, press play with us. I'm gonna give you guys a countdown, and uh, then you're gonna, you know, when I say when I say play, hit play, and we're gonna go right to it. Two hours, two minutes, fifty six seconds. Um, ready? In five, four, three, two, one. Hit play. It might buffer, just so you guys know. Maybe it is, so we'll, it's buffering for us. Um, and here we go. Yeah. The War Games, the match beyond. See, that was always, like, I wish, like, someone must have that trademark, because, like, I wish WWE used it now. The match beyond, I feel like, even puts over more of, like, it's not, especially the traditional War Games, it's not just a match. It's literally a war. Yeah. Like, I know they don't do it. I don't. Maybe they do. You'd have to maybe smart me up a little bit more. But at least in the WWE version, like they don't have the surrender option, right? Because I know uh, that's how this match is won shit. in WCW. There wasn't. I mean, until later, there wasn't pinfalls or submissions. It was surrender. You know what? We might. I might just have to Google that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there isn't a surrender. And option I hate the, the surrender option. I love it. I really? think there is a psychological aspect of it that opens the door to so much stuff. Here's 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 where I here's where I, I, I come in on the surrender option. Okay, um, you get four or five guys, and you're gonna make one guy surrender. What's stopping the other four or five guys from attacking the individual, making their partner surrender? If you're gonna go with a surrender option, I feel like you almost have to um, either eliminate each guy or you. You strategically set handcuffs up, handcuffs up around the, the the cage, and you have to handcuff your opponents 
and then you have one of them surrender. So they're well, watching their opponent, their partner surrender I think to I the would, other team. I think I would make it more simpler and just have like a team captain, and he's the only guy they can offer the surrender. So that's like a good. That, player, you know, that's you know a that's I mean? a good one there. Like that, as, you know, as simple. Just make it real simple. The only guy who can who can surrender. Say they put, you know, the NWO's got Arn in a, you know, pretty bad spot, and they're just like, hey, come on, surrender, surrender, yeah. surrender. And the only guy who can do it, and you could play off all the characters there. Luger can be like, "Hey, Rick, don't do it, don't do it. Arn can handle that's, it." That's a good, yeah. You know, that's and, a good Rick's, way of putting. You know, Rick's the guy who has to pull the trigger. You know, throw the throw in the towel. You know, Rocky Balboa style. Yeah. Um, before it's too late. So I mean, yeah, I think it's a cool psychological, you know, tool that they could use in a match. You know, to really mess with the crowd a little bit, or not mess with them, but definitely get them going. Ric Flair is in rare, in not rare form. This is Ric Flair form right here. He is ready for war. Yeah, it doesn't. It, the only results I'm getting here for the for the NXT versions of War Games is that you know the the the, the teams won, not necessarily. Um, Stingers here. Uh oh. See now, this is where I was like, all right. So let's let, let's go back a little bit. The, the the Monday Nitro before this, it appeared that Sting had joined the NWO. Now, the way that they had, in retrospect, looking back at how they produced that segment, it was a blessing that it took place in the parking lot in the rain. Yeah. Because the lighting in the parking lot, and, and they didn't have the big fancy lights that WWE has when they when they film their shots out in the parking lot. It looked very grainy and very like almost like home video style footage. Yeah, yeah. So like the lighting... I thought Sting joined the NWO. I legit yeah, thought that, he joined I, the NWO. And I remember watching it thinking the same thing or, you know, or seeing it not too long afterwards. But I will say this too, you know, given, you know, this is the internet, you know, surging through the 90s and, and a lot of us getting hands-on learning experience of, of the inner workings of wrestling and not too quick, you know, not too long after that reveal on the Nitro before, we knew that really wasn't Sting. But honestly, it didn't matter. It was almost like you wanted to see how it was going to go. Yeah. You know, you weren't like, oh, they spoiled it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you were like, oh, okay, it's an imposter sting. What's the real sting going to do? He's yeah. got he's going to make it right. You yeah. know, he's going to he's going to he's going to save the day and how's WCW going to make it up to sting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was definitely you know? different ways to go where it didn't make it didn't seem like that the you know, the accidental reveal, you know, from thanks to the Dave Meltzer's of the world ruined it. it certainly didn't. And yeah. Whether that was intentional or not, you know, we don't know, but still, I think it was. It, it, it didn't hurt. You know, today we'd we'd all be throwing a fit. But oh yeah. But but back then, and honestly, as a kid, I was seven years old. It didn't really matter to me that again. It made it more interesting. Like, of course, it's not Sting. Duh. Like that. It's it's an imposter. Yeah. It's it's you know psychological warfare and all that stuff. But before it was revealed to be an imposter, as a kid, I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, who does WCW have left? Like, yeah. they took Hogan. Savage wasn't even in this match. He was in the match before this against the Giant, which was, like, puzzling to me because it, it sounded, looking back on it, they were trying to keep Hogan and Savage separate as much had, as possible. Had, had Giant joined yet? Giant had already joined because yeah. he wrestled Savage in the match before this on, right, on this right, card. Right. So yeah, they it, was had like, everybody. it was like, who who's left? You know what I mean? Like, you didn't think Sting because Sting, to me as a kid, was the WCW version of The Undertaker. He was he was as loyal as the day is long. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think you look at, you know, that collection of NWO guys, especially at this time, you know, they were always seen as, like, being a mark above every guy in WCW, even yeah. Ric Flair, you know what I mean? Yep. It, was, it just, just the way they were presented in such that unique way. So when they get, obviously, Hulk Hogan, it's like, oh, my God. 
and then getting, you know, the giant who was the WCW champion before Hulk Hogan. You yeah. know, he was unstoppable. Yeah. You know, I recall seeing, you know, a match that he wrestled against Sting at Slambury 96 that, like, he beat the piss out of Sting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, Sting, like you said, was their guy. So, like, yeah. they had, you know, in terms of, you know, talent. Dom- and, dominance. Yeah, dominance. Like, they had an all-star team. Yeah. And while WCW had their tried and true legends, like, there's some years behind Ric Flair. There's some years behind Arn. Like, Lex Luger, we know who Lex Luger is. Like, we know what these guys are made of. Yeah. There was an unpredictable quality to that skill set the NWO had that made them, like, it was, like, any super team. It was it was a super team. Yeah. There's a question I want to ask you later sure. regarding Luger. I'm going to get into it later okay. at some point as we're watching this. Um, Michael Buffer here giving the instructions of the War Games. Pretty much for those of you that are listening that are also watching with us, and thank you, by the way, for doing so. Um, you know, the War Games matches follows. Two guys start in the cage. It's a double cage with a roof on it, and they flip a coin to see which team brings out their, uh, their, their, their partner next. And usually the coin toss is won by the heel team. So, spoiler alert, um, we may get... usually we, means... Like literally almost every time. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, you don't see the baby faces getting the advantage because that's not how they like to tell the story. Um, and then, you know, guys will come in at random intervals, you know, two minutes, five minutes, whatever, based on the order of uh, the, the, the coin toss. And then once all... You know, all the participants are in the match. That's when they say the match beyond begins, and you have to make your opponent uh, surrender or submit, I should say. Um, and that will be the end of the War Games match. Um, have you watched any of the older War Games? I remember I, we I have. To, we yeah. did a watch along with Dennis last That's year. That's right. We watched the, the ninety three, the ninety three one, which was fucking awful. Um, but yeah, no, I've watched them. I've, I've, I, I recall even maybe around that same time watching this one back. You know, around uh-huh. this time of the year, you'll do your binges. Yeah. You know, based on how the calendar year plays out, and yep. you know, I, I've, I've seen this one. Um, I want to say it was was it ninety seven when when Henning turned. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember watching after that this, one. Yeah. Um, those are the two main. These are this one in '97. I think are the two like they're to me kind of staples in in this era of WCW. I've watched the '92 one as well. That's that's you know a that's my favorite one, one um, as well. We so. did a watch along on the re- on uh, the Retromania uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. Kobe and I we watched that match back. Uh, the the Dangerous Alliance versus uh, Sting Squadron. Yeah. that's a, that's that's one you definitely yeah. got to go. And on I want to say watch. I watched one of the very first ones too. Yeah, like I've watched the, the earliest ones. Yeah, they have a War Games collection, I believe, on the WWE Network. Not, they don't have the collections anymore. So when I did, <sighs> when I was doing research, searching for, you know, I mean, I knew that this this War Games was on this card, but I was trying to see if there were any other War Games. When you search War Games, all that comes up is the pay, or the the, the pay per views, yeah. the Fall Brawl pay per views, and any pay per view that had the War Games match itself, and then like because of the keyword War Games, like if there was an episode of Nitro or Thunder that was hyping up the War Games in the the, the caption, right, right, then right. you can watch those episodes there, yeah. too. So I mean, um, the older War Games, like the stuff from Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, those are not available currently on the WWE Network unless they make them available. Must, yeah, I'd have to look into that because I feel like I just saw something where you could watch you the, used the to best be able, of War Games. You used to be like able that. to. And those matches yeah. were on the War Games DVD that they put out at one maybe point. Maybe that's what I saw. And um, I, mean, I think maybe that's what's... Isn't that available on the network? Best the of War Games? No. Maybe it's not. Okay, yeah. Because there's... And, and I've talked about this before. Depending on what kind of streaming service you have to, to watch your WWE Network, like right now currently... You and I are watching it on the Amazon Fire Stick in my yeah. in, in our in the basement, and uh, 
you know, they don't have certain features that other streaming services have. So, like, down here, you know all the, 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 the WWE DVD documentaries that we, the we used to get? Like, yeah. yeah. Those are available on Amazon Fire Stick. But I right. go upstairs to my bedroom, and I have a Roku, yeah. and I can't get any of those That's documentaries. That's exactly how I have it set up. I have my living room has the Fire Stick, and then our bedroom has the Roku. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Now, I know, since you're such a big fan of Arn, yep. you know... I think it's best to say if you're going to build a War Games team, he's probably, because I think he's, this isn't the first time he started number one. He's like no. Mr. War Games. Yeah, he's, you yeah, know what he's, I mean? he's, he's started WrestleMania, yep. you know, Miss WrestleMania, you know, the yeah. monikers. Like, I think this is probably his his hallmark right here. Yeah, he's, he's the Arn card. I, I mean, if Dusty created it, I think Arn Anderson, if Dusty created the vision, Arn, Arn Anderson's the out. architect, and he yeah. carried it out. He carried, like, like, that, that, that to yeah. me, like, he set the tone for it. He was the one that really, you know, wrote the first few chapters of the story of the War Games, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, that's definitely the way to put it, for sure. He, um, But, yeah, he, I mean, everyone who knows Arn, tough, bruiser, no-nonsense, the enforcer. Yeah. You know, especially in those early days, you know, he could take the ass kicking for 30, 45 minutes. You yeah, know but he mean? knew also how to deliver it, Yeah, too. you know, you he know? was the perfect character to be yeah. able to go in there first. You know, even as a heel, he was not a chicken shit heel, you know what I no. mean? No. So he could go in there, and that's that's the guy you could feed to a, to a, a you know, a baby face, or, you know, a sting earlier, but, you know, here it's different, you know? And it, I, even, it, it, it makes total sense here, too, you know, against a chicken shit Scott Hall. Yeah. Who, in many ways, is like a cooler version of Arn Anderson. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good way of putting it too. Yeah, and and the one thing about Arn that like I, I feel like that is that doesn't get really acknowledged enough is you you mentioned it earlier like even as like a healer as a baby face like he always stayed the same. Yeah, and he's one of the few guys in wrestling that I feel like that just. He stayed the same whether he was a heel or babyface. Guys will tweak their their presentation or their the the characters' mannerisms. Like even to some degree, Steve Austin as a babyface, you know, placated to the audience. Even though he was a badass, right, right, he right. still placated to the audience. Arn Anderson was always Arn Anderson whether he was heel or babyface. The yeah. way he talked, the way he presented himself, the way he moved. He didn't even as a babyface. He didn't. Um, he didn't feed off the crowd, you know. Like he, he didn't, he didn't like try to get in the, the, the soak in the adulation or the like. He was just Arn Anderson. He was all business, twenty four seven. I feel like in terms of like where you stack him up against other people and you know his success or lack thereof in WWE, like I feel like that's like a mark against him. Like you know, there's a they talk about how there's such a particular way of, of working in the in the WWE, for, you know, in terms of wrestling on television and. And, you know, like ranging your character, yeah, and facial expressions and connecting with the audience. Like he didn't do that by looking at someone in the crowd or, or looking at the hard camera or you yeah. know whatever. You know, the, you know he didn't do that. Like yeah. that wasn't his game. Like he wrestled, and there just happened to be cameras there. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that authenticity was what resonated with people more so than you know, again, how how he reacted to you know the smallest move and how he could make it seem so much bigger. He didn't do that. He gave you everything he had. And that's what bled through. I mean, with that being all said, the man could cut a hell of a promo. Oh yeah. So I mean, this you know, it's not like he couldn't have worked, you know, or had more success in W, you know, WWE for sure. But you know, I, this is this is where he belonged, and this is where he thrived. Yeah, I think what resonates with me when it comes to my fandom for him, like you know, he's my top five of all time favorites. You know, it's him, Savage, Michaels, Hogan, and The Rock. 
Like yeah, those are my top, top five, five, you know, it's like my, of game. my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I feel like what resonates with me is that like you, you can make the argument that like being a wrestling fan, what resonates with you is larger than life characters, something that you want to aspire to be. Yeah. But then on the other side of the spectrum. You look at Arn Anderson and you're like, you can relate to him. He looks and sounds like a regular person that just happens to be yeah, wrestling. That's like so, adulthood. Like when you become an adult, you become an Arn Anderson fan. When you're a child, <laughs> yeah. you were a Hogan fan or an Ultimate Warrior well, fan. You know what you the know? funny thing is? I was an Arn Anderson fan. I, I don't know what it was when I was younger, but in retrospect, looking back, I think why I was a fan of him at such a young age was the action figure that's over in, in the case over there. Okay. The way that that action figure was shaped and the way it was molded, like, I could do so many different things with that action figure. That, that's like, a cool way of looking at that. Like, that's that. why I think I liked him so much because I had the most fun and had the best matches with the Arn Anderson action figure. Those The, the old galoobs from 1990. Yeah. As we see, the heels won the coin toss, so now it's big Kevin Nash and Entering the fray. Now, I, here's what I want to know, and I'm sure you, there's a plausible answer for this, but why wouldn't Arn Anderson just go and attack him as he's going through the ropes? You know yeah, what I mean? I, yeah. Maybe that's the baby face in him. That's like, is like, he kind of like up. backed up a little bit? Yeah. Maybe he the other, I think one option you could have said is that like he was trying to keep Scott in his peripheral. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of, you know, psychologically have a, a beat on two guys. Yep. And kind of have, you know, the floor at his view, but yeah. at the same time, like Arn Anderson, man, again, everything, like, there, there is a part of Arn Anderson that will run through a wall and not really care about what's going to happen later either. Pretty so, much. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's nitpicking, but it's just yeah. kind of like semantics. Oh, it's, yeah, it's just like okay, like yeah. I, mean, I guess, but um, I guess you know, again, psychologically, you do want to keep the, the advantage with the heels at this point. You play the, you play up the adrenaline factor as characters yeah. running on adrenaline, and he's you know they're at war. This is you know a hostile takeover of the NWO, and so like you know he's going to fight just about anybody. Um, but yeah, the, I, no, I get, I get the, I get the. He takes an ass kicking for sure, though. Oh yeah, you know, I think you got the perfect two guys in there that can really, you know, ham it up. Yeah, you know, and be nasty. You know, I don't think, I don't think a heel Kevin Nash really gets enough credit. Everyone, you know, goes for his, you know, his cool vibe that everyone likes, and but he, he could be nasty. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And you, no one really talks about that as much as you know. Again, all the other stuff, too sweet and Wolfpack and all that stuff. But, yeah, yeah, he, he was. That's the other thing. When he came, when he came to WCW from WWE, it was he was nasty. Like he what? Like he didn't get that cool vibe here. He didn't bring that out until much later. Yeah, like he was. He, he was, was just tough. A, yeah, he was just a big nasty dude. As we see Lex Luger now entering, evening the sides up in this War Games match. Um, you know what? I the Lex is one of the guys that I did like. You know, in WCW, I know like historically speaking, I kind of wonder why. I mean, I know why, but it's kind of like eh, he wasn't as cool as I remembered him being. Like. So so now that now that Luger's out, this is the question I want to ask you, and I think this is I think this is something that we could really chew on here. Okay. The way that they had constructed this whole imposter sting storyline, looking back on it, you could obviously it was done to rebuild Sting and and bring a new dimension to the Sting character. In retrospect, do you think WCW do you think that that storyline was also meant for, in many ways, um, 
I wouldn't say a restructuring or a rebuilding of Lex Luger, but in many ways to make Luger a bigger star than he was. Because if you look back on it, with Sting's absence after he basically tells the fans to stick it and he goes in the rafters and he does the whole year with not wrestling and being silent, Luger was the guy that essentially was the top good guy in WCW against the NWO. Yeah. Do you think that that was done by design to help Luger? Or do you think Luger just happened to be in the right place at the right time? I think... I think it's actually a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I think that Luger, given his background, his experience, his notoriety, you know, his history in WWE and WCW prior, he was a big star. Okay. Or I think people were still enamored with the potential for him to be an even bigger star. Okay. So I think there was this mission for a, a very long time to really get to, to really maximize on that potential and that investment on mm-hmm. WCW's end. And, and it, it, you can't blame them from the sense that, like I said, he's Lex Luger. He's been yeah. around. You know what yep. I mean? He's, he, he, he's got name he, value. Yeah, exactly. He's from the WWF yeah. and WCW before that. You guys know who he is. Yeah. Um, so I think, again, they tried very hard with that. Um, at the same time, I think there, there is a little bit of a, you know, right place, right time, and here comes the huckster. That's um, not gonna work for me, brother. <laughs> I and I and I think I think Lex um, I think Lex was in the right spot too because, like we said earlier, there wasn't really much like to build from. You know, I think what ended up happening throughout after this was you had a DDP who was brewing. Yep. You had Ric Flair who was more or less established, but I think still was seen as too much of. The old guard, yep. as they were trying to evolve WCW. Yeah, um, Lex Luger, I think, was just in a convenient place where it was okay. We need to, we need to definitely have someone lead this charge while we develop this long-term story. Okay, um, and he was just on the higher end of that tier versus, like I said, DDP. I think was the guy who I think everyone was looking towards the future for before yep. you ever saw Goldberg or anybody. anybody yeah, else. yeah. Luger, I think, was just. He was there. Like, they needed to find someone to, to, to I don't want to say transition, but he was, like I said, right place, right time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because f- looking back on it, I mean, everyone could, you know, argue till the cows come home. Well, oh, shit, like, it made Sting a bigger star. But, I mean, look what it did for Luger, you know? Like, yeah. I, I just remember, like, I, at this time, like, I was always a Hogan fan, and I thought the NWO was cool. But, like, I felt genuinely bad for Luger. Like... That's where, like, the emotional investment came in with his character was, you know, Luger, in a sense, was left, you know, holding the bag. Luger was, in a sense, you know, it left hanging in the dust. Like, he was the one that was, rev- that at the time, what we thought, he revealed that Sting was part of the NWO. Sting attacked him in the parking lot, yeah. you know? And then, you know, now then he realizes that it wasn't Sting and his best friend. Like, I, I felt bad for Luger because he was in a tough spot, you know? Yeah. So it made me want to cheer him even more and you know what i think that's a great that shows how well that worked because if you look at it before that luger i think you look at the guy and there's nothing that's unredeeming about him yeah you know what i mean and he's he was able to like he was able to to use that to his advantage his entire career so much so that when they tried to make him a babyface anywhere they went it, people didn't really like him yeah because he know? looked like a dick yeah exactly yeah, and i just, think he came I, across like a like an arrogant prick you know so yeah i think it's a testament to the idea that you know like you said you you had some you held some sympathy for the guy because his best friend allegedly beat the fuck out of him yeah. and then there was and coming we, out of this there was this riff that was created even more so that again made you feel for the guy a little bit so yeah i think i think it works if you want to put it that way i don't think yeah. and i think again given the perception of lex luger heading into this i mean 
that's a pretty remarkable thing is, you know, Vince McMahon strapped that dude onto a, a campaign bus and drove him all over the country, and people <laughs> still didn't like him. Yeah. So, I mean, the yeah. Call, the call to arms grassroots campaign yeah. known as the Lex Express. Now we got the double the double vision here of the war games, the split screen action. Yeah, I, I dig this. I mean, I don't think they should have it graphically positioned V'd out like that, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Still a cool little thing to look at. Flair with the tape brass knucks. Uh, you know, just the rolled up napkins or whatever. Now, let me ask you, what do you think it made the horsemen look like that only half the horsemen were in this match and the other half were not? Yeah, what do you, yeah, what do I think it made of the horsemen? Uh, uh, of of Mongo and Benoit. Uh, that was the horsemen at the time. They yeah. Put, yeah, put, no you're right. Um I think I mean to me it was bigger than the horsemen. Yeah. You know, this was a war for for the survival of WCW. Yeah. So WCW needed to whether you liked each other or not, you had to band together. Yeah. The best of the best had to had to show out for this. So I don't think that, you know, and again, in 2019, we're too smart for our own good now, and we would have probably been like, oh, what the fuck is going on? You know, they don't put Benoit in it, they don't put Mongo. Like, yeah. We would have thought, we would have said stupid shit like that. Yeah. Um, but here, I think, just keeping it simple, this is, you know, the best of the best needed to be available and, you know, ready to go to war. And Mongo and, and uh I See, look, first glance, there. you would think that's the real Hell state. Hell yeah, You know what I mean? Of course. No, definitely. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's, I yeah. don't blame WWE for taking the top off this cage. Oh, the yeah. Well, it makes for it, it makes for more possibilities of different high spots you can do in these matches. Now yeah, and then I think just from a production standpoint, there's it just opens up the ring for the audience. Yeah. Well, the camera shots too with the big crane yeah, shots exactly. as well. Because you know, from a production standpoint, all right, you, you have one cameraman in the cage. He's he's sitting in between both rings. Actually, I should say two because there's one in the corner to the, to the right over here, um, but. For the most part, you're getting these hard camera shots and the chain link fence kind of, you know, I wouldn't say it's it can be distracting because you can't really see much. It's yeah. a good thing that some guys are wearing, you know, colorful, you know, ring attire that you can point out like, well, there's Flair in the green in the corner. There's Nash in the red in the other corner, you know? Yeah. Like, like for instance, when they did, like, I didn't like the red light for Hell in the Cell with oh, Rollins no, and no, the no, feet. Of I hated I, it. I don't think that was... Number one, the cage was red, so that was already distracting enough. But then you add that red light into the mix, and I was like, yeah. this is just... It was well, just way I too think distracting. The biggest thing that it takes away from that, obviously, you get in these shots, which... Put your face out there, is... You, you, you can better connect with the audience on TV when they can see your pain that you're going through. You yeah. can see the effort you'll go to to ram Ric Flair's head into the cage you can see that and when you're as when you're as, when you're good at eliciting that emotion you know from a you know Hollywood standpoint mm -hmm. like as Ho as Hogan and Flair both are even yeah. to this day you know that's that's 90% of that is having the team the production squad around you to, to to put you in the places to 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 put that out there and you know that's what the wrestlers are learning these days you know is you know, you got to know where all those cameras are. You got to know where and when to hit moves in the ring. Yep. And yeah. you know, know when the red lights on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what makes it, it, this version of war games very difficult to really get that out of people. Yeah. And then you can like look at the audience. Like, I mean, they're they're in it because they're like you know because it's a certain spot of the match right now where we're sting imposter sting. It's if also you will. a good story too. Yeah, but at the same time, and they're looking down to check out who's coming in next and all that stuff, but. There he is. Um, I remember watching this the next night because we didn't watch this pay per view, but like hearing what he did, what he's gonna do here, and kind of be like, "Yeah, 
That, yeah, this was the point where yeah. the Nitro the next night is like, wait a minute, there was an imposter sting. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, we knew about that before. Like, um, I recall knowing about that like before War Games, but it was more, again, the intrigue of, well, why doesn't Sting just show up then? Yeah, you know, why, why doesn't I, he blow the cover? Yeah, I don't remember, to be honest with you, but, you know, um, it, it, at, at this point, seeing this here, how he's going after the NWO, and you could tell it's the real Sting just by looking at him, um, you know, to me, that was when I was like, like, okay, all is right in the world because he's not a part of the NWO and, and WCW has their guy, but then they switched it up and that's just, where the that's where the story came in with him, yeah. you know, kind of brooding and Yeah, he just walks off, you know what I mean? That's kind of the thing that I remember seeing like in the fallout, you know, the following week was like you think it's all good, but you're like, wait a minute, like he just leaves. Yeah. So it still leaves the question of where he could go. And what he could do. Here's the other thing. Why are there three referees in the match? Was did they maybe like they only to... had they only had one in there. Nick Patrick has been did, running. Did they all run in there when Sting showed up? I was gonna say. I think they did. Like because he came out before the time it went off. That's true. So maybe they were like, maybe they were or because maybe he would. They you know they're playing it up like, oh my god, who's this imposter thinking yeah. he's not Sting and like get him out of the ring? You know, maybe that was an, a little nuance that we missed too. Is that they were playing it up like they didn't. This guy didn't belong in the match. Yeah, because they figured Sting was already in it. But I, again, like him walking off, like I thought, like like you said, all is well. But they're like, damn, like I'm like, damn, like, like he just left him. Yeah. But then you know, t- the the 2019 versions of us that are watching this are like, well, shit, I don't blame him. Right. He exactly. just got blamed yeah. for for being a turncoat, you know. Yeah. So he's now proving it to them. He sticks it up their ass, and he's like, yeah, all right, now you guys are on your own. The you don't want to believe me? Like, fine. If there was like cell phones and text messaging. Like, very quickly, this would have all been cleared up. Like, my bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my bad, guys. Yeah. Like, this or, would all have been cleared Twitter. up. Or Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was in catering, dude. I didn't yeah. beat up Lex. Yeah. See, here I am, exactly, see? Exactly, yeah. Check my Foursquare. The Nitro Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? My bad. Didn't mean to hit oh, look you. At, look, at, look at Nash's foot got uh, caught in the cameraman's cord. You see that? The cameraman's yeah. trying. <laughs> and I believe this is it here. This is the finish as the, the imposter sting. Puts the Scorpion Deathlock on Lex Luger as Nick Patrick calls for the bell. Now, I don't think he gave up either. I think he was just passed out, which yeah. is fine, too. That's the another referee, good... The referee's discretion, they yeah. call the match, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to end a match, too. I think I think it, like, makes it more of a fight. Yep. When you, if you, if you just kept it to, like, a surrender. You well, know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's how I like... Like, I know cage matches in general, there's either pinfall, submission, or, like, escape. I always like the escape aspect, even though I think... That may fly in the face of like certain psychology to a cage match, yep. but to me, it's almost like well, only one man can walk out. Yeah, like I think those to me are better, much more like visceral stories to write. Is it also like, depends on the type of story. Yeah, too, exactly. You know? like, like don't like I I said this to you. I think it was last year when they booked the the, the Brock Roman cage match in the first Saudi Arabia show, and it was like you know they they added the escape element, and I was like. Brock's such a badass. Why would he try to run away from Roman? You know, what yeah, I mean? Why would he exactly. try to escape. Like, don't do that. Like, that just makes it look dumb. You know, like, but if it's a the, see, here we go. The, no! Like he's like crawling, like looking for Sting. Like, where are you, Sting? Yeah. You know, like don't, don't leave me. Yeah. You know, mind you, he's been gone for like, a good long. couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, he's he's already been out the you know out of the match. At this point, here's the NWO. Putting some work in on Luger, and I think the the 
thing here is, and again, I, maybe I'm wrong, but like, he, no one comes to his aid here oh. other than these guys. Like, I think they were looking for Sting to come back, right? Um, I mean, that would. I mean, I yeah. feel like, but he doesn't, and I no. think that's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? That keeps it going. You but know? Jeez, oh, Flair, Flair getting in the nut shots. I think Nash is, as, Den- as our good friend Dennis would say, got it in the Nuggets. Oh, oh here's Savage. Here's Savage. Now, and here's what I didn't understand as a kid, okay? I think this is they're setting up Halloween Havoc here. Well, yeah, they've been right yeah, here. they've been doing that since Hogan turned on him at yeah. Bash at the Beach. Like that's been the that that's been the story from the get-go. Yeah. But here's what I didn't understand in 1996, okay? Whenever, you know, the NWO had like four or five guys and they pretty much held a whole company hostage. Why didn't the whole company at one point, like, come out to try and stop them. Like, remember when Shivani used to say, like, get somebody out here. Get somebody, you know, where, yeah, where yeah. are all the guys in the locker room? What stopped the rest of the locker room from getting involved? Well, they did spots, like, remember, like, certain, they, they would do spots where, like, you know, Nash and Hall showed up with the baseball bats that was and in a the bunch beginning. of the wrestlers that, yeah, came out. Yeah, that was in the beginning before it was revealed that there was an NWO. That was when it was just the two of them, when they did the whole thing where they held the cops off with the guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that um, was just the beginning. But, like, for instance... All right, so if Flair, Arn, and Luger thought that Sting was done, why didn't they search for another partner? You know what I mean? Right. Why didn't they they get a fourth guy? If they thought Sting was a part of the NWO, then what were you doing? Like, there's a roster full of guys in the back, and you couldn't find one person? Plus, you have two other horsemen? I mean... That that psychology didn't make sense to me. Even back then? That's where I thought you could have... Even back then, uh, no bullshit, and I'm not... uh, Oh, This is where they they spray paint it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you. Could, it, it helps. I think maybe put over how dominant the MWO is. Like they can't find a guy who's willing to go out there for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. But I mean, you also. It, but that goes back to my theory about like, well, how does that make the other two horsemen look if you're not going to call them? Yeah, to, you know, to, to come in and and replace the turncoat. You know what that's I mean? That's true. That that's that's what I look, at. and that's where I kind of felt in 1996. It was like, well, why do, you got two horsemen? Why don't you get one of them? You know, like where there's you know there's there's Savage. Why couldn't you put Savage in the match? You know, because you could clearly tell they were building to him and Hogan. Randy Elizabeth. Yeah. And she was she was still a member of the Horsemen. She was still yeah. like a part of the Horsemen. So this was like the part where like, and I didn't get her introduction into the NWO. Like she was all about Savage, but then like she was forced to be in the NWO. Like, yeah, I don't remember exactly how that went down myself. So I just remember. Like, I remember this though. I remember like she 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 still like. She was still like she still had feelings for Savage with this whole thing with you know him against the NWO, even though she was a part of the Horsemen. And then they have their match at Halloween Havoc. Savage is gone, and then all of a sudden she's out with the NWO. It was like she was forced to be a part yeah. of the group. Like I didn't understand that. I didn't get that. Like in 2019, you know what that's called? Human trafficking. <laughs> like, <laughs> forcing someone at their yeah. will to, <laughs> to to be in their company. <laughs> That's yeah. kidnapping. <laughs> yeah. But, part of, yeah, part of the process, though, in terms of the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you know, yeah no, I get it. I get it. That. I'm just being a dick. No, yeah, yeah. But I, like even like stuff with like the, you know, the, the ha- not being able to find the fourth guy or a replacement or, you know, all that stuff. It's all, it's, it's the wacky world of... of pro wrestling that you kind of have to that you don't even think about until after the fact yeah because you're kind of into the storyline but um because i don't know i feel like this was i mean i think about it now like they weren't like you said they weren't together no like not not just in re, not just in real life but on camera they weren't even an item on camera anymore correct yeah so that almost made it real yeah like and i think even at this time we all knew that they were no longer married either so it was correct. almost like 
she loves she still loves him she and still she cares about yeah, him, yeah like she still cares about the man behind the character yeah. and she wants to go protect him cuz yeah. a lot of again they're breaking rules here left oh, and yeah. right about what was it ordinary is it real or is it not yeah, yeah so I mean, so it almost it, those every 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 night there was a uh, you know very bleed through moments of like whoa like that anarchy again, that chaos savage like, going out there to aid rick flair yeah you know what i mean to come to his aid to, to save him you know and months prior it was elizabeth that turned on savage to yeah. join rick flair those yeah. little things like yeah. that, that was happening all summer of 1996 especially yeah you know you talk about the brawl at universal studios like you see Arn anderson you know over there neil you know keeled over with you know concerned about little ray mysterio yeah like, those guys don't cross paths yeah you know they're on different sides of the fence and they're but that's how they built this over time and it was like oh my god that was real and like if that what you know if that wasn't they did a damn good job of really getting me oh yeah even I, back then yeah i mean i i think i remember we watched that nitro when yeah. they when they they did that that angle where they were all backstage and i remember mom coming into the room and she's like is this real and yeah. i was like i don't know and then i didn't know till years later when bischoff revealed it in various interviews that you know the 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 surrounding neighborhood within disney called the cops because yeah. they thought it was like a gang fight and so like real police had to show up and Bischoff's told the story on his podcast before about how they just kind of had to remind them all like that's how the yellow yes or no was it the yellow no they didn't, no, they didn't the yellow, yellow neck him. back yeah look at look at the referee just like holding holding Elizabeth back is that Nick Patrick or no it's Pee Wee Randy Anderson yeah hey, I mean, but you know what that's also like hey like you know Liz like I want you out of harm's way like they're really putting a hurt on this dude don't and they hadn't revealed Nick Patrick as a member of the NWO yet either. No. Like he was just like the 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 questionable referee. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they were just kind of letting you know letting him, uh, you know, uh, find his place. It's amazing how long ago this is. Like this is the big show. Yeah. There are there are generations of people who've never seen this. I know it's it's crazy. This like, is the see... line. This is actually in my yearbook blurb. He goes, "Big O, whether you like it or whether you don't, it's the best thing going today." Oh, Actually, no in my in my high school yearbook, I, that was my that was a, my little quote, my little blurb quote. No kidding. Yeah, I actually my blurb quote came from from wrestling in in my yearbook, but it was a quote I saw um, in an interview that the WCW magazine did with Vampiro, where he was in Mexico and he was sitting in front of a wall, and there was a a quote that said, "Dreams come at no expense except when you've dreamt your life away." And I thought that was a pretty interesting quote. That is quote. pretty cool. I like and that. It was, it was a picture of Vampiro just sitting up against this wall in Mexico. And this, the interview that the magazine did with him, I thought that was pretty cool. So I was like, you know what? It had like a little wrestling tie to it, but like yeah. it didn't at the same time. When, like for people who yeah. you know, don't you know, know me as well. So Yeah, I think um, I even, I like, because you, like, you would credit the quote too. Like I even wrote like Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember that now. Yeah. I think I remember that now. Yeah. Bobby and it was from this. Tony Schiavone and the America Dream Dusty Rhodes, baby. Dusty is just fed up. Yeah. Tony Schiavone here with his uh, his double-breasted suit. The red bow tie and the red yeah, color bow. Not a, not, a, not a good night in this great, great sport. No. Uh, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Didn't didn't put many butts in the seats there. No. Um, well, no, plenty. I mean, plenty, the, plenty are there, for sure. But uh, definitely, you know, a bad night. In this great, great sport. You know, I, I've talked about this before on, on, on other recordings, and uh, I, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention it here. Um, but what um, Bobby Heenan's role throughout all this, you know, Bobby Heenan was known as the traditional, you know, heel color commentator. 
um, or as he'd like to refer to himself as a broadcast journalist, but he always stayed true to his character's hatred for Hogan, whether oh, he was yeah. a good guy or a bad guy. And I think that was ingenious. Like people say it all the time that, like, you know, he he blew the surprise when Hogan came out and he said, but "Oh yeah, side is he yeah." On? I don't but on the other that. side of that coin, you could say, "Well, shit, he hated Hogan from the get go. He thought Hogan was a snake in the grass in '87." You yeah. know what I mean? So of course it would make sense that he yeah. would say something like that. You know, people go back and say, "Oh, well, they ruined it." No, they didn't really. He was Mister I Told You So in this dynamic of it, <laughs> but but but, but, in, but in the correct way. And you know what? Yeah, like they, he would do stuff like that. He was oh, always the first Dust one to trying to work away. an angle. He's not backing down that easy. Yeah, look at Dusty trying yeah. to work that angle. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think, uh, like, I remember there was an episode, it might have been before this or after, where, like, Heenan was, like, so, like, afraid of them, being a heel, being a chicken shit himself, you know, who's talking shit behind a mic, the NWO approached him during a Nitro, and he's like, I'll join you guys, I'll do whatever you guys want. That was, like, that was the Nitro that uh, was the go-home to Starcade when Hogan wrestled Sting. Yeah, he, he took over, and he yeah. was, like, he had the, he, he was on commentary with Bischoff and Rick Rude. Yeah, and uh, he was just like, I'll do, please, please, like, spare me, I will, I will yeah. do whatever it is you guys want. Yeah, I'll wash your car. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it a- was, it, but it wasn't even funny, like, it would have been, say, the, in WWF years, it was like, oh my god, even, like, even Bobby's kind of, like, not thinking of joining, but like for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, you know what I mean. It he's was like trying sad. To save, he's pathetic. trying to save his own hide. Yeah, versus yeah. like you know, if Gorilla was standing next to him, he'd be like, "Well, you stop." Like yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, like this, this you know, again, the, just this this cliffhanger stuff of just just piling on steam is just awesome. Like it's, this is again for its time, amazing. And I wish they brought more of this back because oh yeah, not every night I think has to end with like, "Well, we'll see you next week," or like, "Oh, like this is what we're gonna do next week." Well, yeah, how about? Fuck, what's going to happen next week? Yeah, you don't get a lot of what happens. Ne- yeah, you don't get that cliffhanger stuff really much anymore. Like, it's sometimes usually... it's okay with just ending. Yeah. You know what I mean? Copyright 2019, blah, blah, blah. You know what blast. I used to like when finishes of shows? like And you used to see it a lot on WCW Saturday night. They would be like, you know, the television time, you know, match, you know, TV time remaining is the main event. And then, like, they'll be like, all right, guys, we'll, you know... We'll keep the tape machines rolling, but you'll get to see next. You get to see this footage on the Power Hour tomorrow or yeah. next week's show, like that kind of stuff. Like that stuff, I miss. Yeah, and then um, they, I mean, I the credits. I think is kind of a different. Yeah, diff- WCW used to actually roll yeah. credits, and they used to show like every, yeah, all of the yeah the whole the whole shebang. Yeah, which I thought was um, security director Doug Dillinger. Yeah, all the cameramen, like yeah. I mean, it's still. Uh, it's different. I feel like, especially in you know when Bischoff talks about every way he was trying to show how different they were versus um, WWF at the time. WWF didn't do this stuff. But Turner was also a television company that happened to own a wrestling organization. You know what I mean? Yeah. They weren't like wrestling. They weren't a wrestling company or a sports entertainment company that WWE is. Um, you know that happened to be on television. You know what I mean? Those yeah. are the big differences, and I think oh, that sure. you know Turner want. Turner, this was like a, I wouldn't say this was Bischoff, but I think this was more Turner with the whole production, yeah, for, no, the for credits sure. of everything, you know, of, of production and the cameraman, and here you see at the end, executive producer, senior vice president, Eric Bischoff, as this uh, this War Games watch party has come to a close. Uh, this was a lot of fun going back and watching this match. Um, I've only seen this match once or twice before, but this was a lot of fun, especially during a time period uh, where... Um, the NWO was really taken off. It was voted by all of you guys, so I hope you guys, uh, you know, in, enjoyed the listen and watch along along with us. Um, 
And thank you all so very much. Uh, you can find uh, Kicking Out of Two Archives over in the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. If you want to watch that uh, Sting Squadron Dangerous Alliance War Games, you can find that watch party with Kobe and myself in the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. Um, yeah, thanks, man. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad that uh, you know uh, you, you were able to uh, j- join me in watching this. But before we go. Um, by the time you know, at the, at the time of this recording, it's not fully developed. But by the time this drops, we'll probably get more developments. Um, what do you think of the women's war games for NXT Takeover being announced? I think it's awesome. Yep. I think um, I don't think it's awesome because it's progress in the women's evolution or revolution or whatever. I just you know, to me, I already look at that as very equal footing with the guys, and you know, in many respects, I just think. It's, it's from a pure storyline perspective, from a pure, you know, what's taking place on TV. It only makes sense to put them all in the war games. And I, yeah. you know, I think, you know, with with such a wide open division with Shayna Baszler just kind of, you know, ruling the roost, why not why not put them all in there? You know what I mean? And kind of, you know, buy some time, let some let some people get over in that match, um, you know, and do some shit that, that can take them, you know, past war games. I think I think it's a fantastic idea. Um and uh, again, just it's I I'm I'm very much looking forward to that match. Now, for how sure. does how do you think this affects Survivor Series? Because it was announced that you know Raw and SmackDown are gonna include NXT in the brand supremacy warfare. Do you think they include a War Games match at Survivor Series with the three brands, or do you think they just keep it for Takeover and not try to um, overdo the concept? So I had heard the, the someone mention that there was the potential for a men's war games at takeover. And I think that's a little overkill. Mm-hmm. I think it would be less overkill if they did it at survivor series. Cause the intrigue of it being on a WWE mainstay hallmark pay-per-view with WWE superstars, mm-hmm. um, that have s- such name value, I think has some intrigue to it. I wouldn't be upset if it didn't happen. Um, but I, I, I certainly think, um, you know, I'm good with what they have right now. Okay. If they put a War Games on Survivor Series, I wouldn't hate it because I'm sure it would be awesome. Um, I'm sure any War Games, whether it's on Takeover or Survivor Series, would be awesome. But I think you know, I think it's it's still got a specialness to it because it ha- it's one match that only happens once a year. Like you look at Hell in a Cell, and there's like two or three Hell in a Cell matches on a card. Like it's there's yeah. a whole pay per view named after. Yeah, yeah, like but and while there is a whole pay per view named after War Games, it's still one match. Yeah, and it's still like the signature match. And I feel like you don't have like Survivor Series in itself is a signature pay per view for what the you know of elimination style matches. I don't think you need to put a War Games on Survivor Series. It's its own brand that has legs to it in history. They can go back to, um, but adding the third brand to create this warfare. I think is awesome. I think it's 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 appropriate given where NXT's come from and mm-hmm. is now arriving to. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see how it's again. It's 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 the All Star Game. It's WWE's All Star Game. So it should be an interesting uh, dynamic to see past NXT guys mixing it up with current guys, and you know the likes of a Roman Reigns maybe getting in there in the ring with someone like you know God, Tommaso Ciampa, just yeah. for example. Yeah. Like even that would be awesome. Having no context for it yeah so i think there's just endless possibilities and i'm gonna be it's gonna be very hard for me to be displeased with what they do because there is a very open canvas for this 
Very good, very good. Who knows? By the time this drops, uh, we may we, we may know more about the war games and if there's more than one war games match and if it bleeds in the Survivor Series. So who knows? Only time will tell. All right. Um, I once again. This has been fun. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate your time. And yeah, uh, I had a lot of fun watching this. And uh, I think it's about that time that we put this show down for the three count. We've surrendered. There's the war. The war. The match beyond is over. And we will see you all next week.